Market Report, also known as the Tote Board's Delight Week 17, looking ahead to the penultimate week of the regular season, joined by the guru of line moves. Remember in Rocky 1 when uh, Apollo Creed, they would go, from the Count of Monte Fisto, and then there was all these, di- like, we should come up with something, you know, like, uh, with you and reading the, the line moves, like... The King of Sting, the, the Master of Disaster. <laughs> yeah, but not quite <laughs> that, but yeah, yeah, that's, that will be fun. For next week, I'll have at least three nicknames for you. Um, the George Jefferson of Steam. Okay. You following it? No. You know George Jefferson? Dry cleaning. What is Steam. it? Oh, it all came together. What for is this, it? Martin Isaac? I don't know. It's important though. <laughs> okay. Now, we're, I'm coming in the old donut at the beginning. I'll be in at the end of this. But Steve, there's something you wanted to talk about, and it was a bigger picture element, which is specifically week 17 is different than the first 16 weeks, and it's even different from 18. So let's go broad stroke. Then on Thursday morning's release of our pick preview, you're going to go on the individual games and discuss where you think it might be applicable. But let's talk conceptually right now. So conceptually, in almost every week, there's good spots and bad spots. But every NFL team's trying real hard to win. Maybe some don't have as much energy as others. Mm -hmm. But they're really trying to win the game. This reminds me of a takeoff of the Jeffersons, The Facts of Life. Do you remember uh, Mrs. Garrett was a part of the Jefferson? I did not. I was unaware. Now that you say it, yeah, she was like yes, a, maid a neighbor. Or something. Or, 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 I think she might have been the. Um, she was the school mistress, or you know, uh, mm-hmm. like the the head of the school that gotcha. the, the, the white daughter went to. Mm-hmm. But just when you were saying that, I was saying you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts of life. Mm-hmm. You were saying some teams got edges, some teams don't. It's just you know, it's kind of like the, the, you roll, you roll with it. Exactly. But now Mrs. Garrett better not do normal stuff in week 17. And Mrs. Garrett might decide not to bring all her students to class this week because now all of a sudden we're getting to that point. Now, this happens like crazy week 18 where people will rest half the team and there's and some teams are all in so, completely. So the issue we're talking about here is motivation. Motivation. And some teams are already looking at it and like, you know what? It might be time for a business decision. This game really doesn't matter. for the, for the, I'm talking about the playoff teams, all right? That they're, they're looking at their paths and what they can benefit from winning and where they need to win. And like the most obvious one, Coming forward in the AFC, there's two teams, Jacksonville and Tennessee, and those teams are going to collide week 18. Winner take all wins the division. That's the game. Mm-hmm. They both know it. So nothing that happens in week 17 affects that in any way. Exactly. So it's literally irrelevant. Yes. All right. So my guess is Tennessee rests people. Not rest, but they've had a ton of injuries. Yep. Right. One of the most injured teams in the NFL. Uh, yeah, right there at the top. Short week, too, Thursday. Yeah. So they're going to have a Thursday game, then they're going to have 10 days? Yes. Now, that's interesting because they had a Thursday game at Green Bay. So why did they yeah. why did they get two Thursday games? That's that is interesting. Right? Remember? Cuz that's where that was the last oh. of the win streak. Oh, because there's 32 teams. Uh-huh. And I think 
that there's 17 or times two is 34 uh, Thursday games. So that means every year we're going to have to identify the, the. I'm assuming they always give them one home and one away, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, by the way, Tennessee, we'll talk about this in the recap show, but this jumped out at me. You know, I know they started a little slow, then it was like, oh, maybe they're good. No, it was they actually won seven of eight games. And then the last of those was that Thursday Green Bay game. And they look great. They went into Green Bay and dominated on a short week, and now they've lost five straight. Pretty much right from the point that we concluded that <laughs> they are the New England South, where the stats just don't properly account for how good this team is. But then what happened? It, it, the coach is still awesome. I think it's just the injuries caught up to them. Now, what if you had a team that you're saying there's nothing super tangible to play for? Though, again, we can put Minnesota and San Francisco in theory competing for the two slot um but is we're not sure how much they care but let's say that's right. a, that's a good scenario meaning that there's something to play for but it's not obvious how material it is how valued it is by the teams how often do you think those teams sit players how often do they play but maybe do vanilla offense how often is the is the energy on the field. There's a lot of ways to be less than optimal. I, I, yes, and I think what happens is trickle down. So the guy that's questionable, banged up, elbow, all right, we'll sit him, right? And then the, the, the guys that are playing are like, well, wait, Louie and Joey, they're not playing. This game's clearly not that important. Let me run out of bounds if I'm the running back, you know, not uh, cut it back upfield if I'm the quarterback, certainly. And it becomes trickle down where the whole team's like, oh, that's right. This game's just not that important. So do you think it's on the field they make those decisions, or do you think it's in the week of prep? What I've always heard prep, is, prep. okay, so uh, that's going to be, they're just going to get a general sense. But you look at someone like Carolina, who has played shockingly well since the shockingly fire. Shockingly well. Is, it strikes me that they're not getting the message. That this, these games don't matter. Well, the games do matter. Carolina can go to the playoffs. Yeah. To what end, though? Well, we knew they probably couldn't make it, but they didn't know no, it. No, no, no. I'm saying that maybe they can, but I'm not sure to what end. That's always the interesting part. Like, the, the Raiders made the playoffs last year. Mm -hmm. No one gives them any love for that. There's no sense of, hey, you had a down year this year, but last year you made the playoffs. Uh, Washington, a couple years ago, made the playoffs as a, what, seven and nine team or whatever it was. No one gave them any credit. Gosh, you know what? I'm, I'm not sure I agree. And, right, and so let me give, give an, an example. example. The Bears. The Bears were absolute the shit. Guy got fired. The guy got fired when he made the playoffs like three but, or five but, years. but they still talked about they made the playoffs. And, and he got was, fired. Yes. Right? But so, I still, I remember a lot of them saying, oh, the, the Bears made the playoffs two out of three years, I think it was, right? Yes, yeah. and he still got, got fired. fired. And then, well, I think the GMs might be smarter than the public, where the, the public's the, like, that's a, that's a playoff team. So the Raiders, who hadn't made the playoffs on a Gruden once, they get the, the special teams coach in there, and lo and behold, <laughs> they do, and it's like, thanks for your service. Yes. So then I think, he is he the special teams coordinator at Green Bay now, I think? Yes. I, is oh, that is, right? Is he... Yeah, McKenzie brings up a good point. When you are talking a division winner, you're talking about a home game, and the way they divvy up the money, the home team benefits from that greatly. And I still think, you or can... by many millions, suppose. Why don't we get a feel of how many, how much a typical home first round playoff game is worth? Got it. And you can hang the banner. 
You know, you're the you're the <laughs> NFC South champions. It's up there. So, so did did Nagy get those when he was fired, or how did that work? Did he just <laughs> get a picture of them? I tell you what, the Bengals used to be the king of that. They'd like you know, the, no Super Bowls, so they'd be like, oh, the you know, the AF. They had two AFC they, titles, right? Eighty-two and eighty-eight. Yeah. So now three. No Super think, Bowls. If we think about playing less than optimal, we can see a lack of focus prep. You know, or or uh, let's say a lack of focus in the prep. Maybe right. lose a little personnel. Um, all right, focus. And then you're saying some people sit that, that could play. They're injured legitimately. But the question is, are they risking further injury? You know, So let's say some conservative injury decisions. And I'm a big believer, and I think Andy Reid does this a lot, is you don't show them, and some people say it kind of ironically, the good plays. But it does seem to me when when it's a it's a high quality game, a competitive game, Andy Reid's creativity seems to go way up. He's not often doing you know different throwback pat you know whatever he's doing. He doesn't do them in the games where he's winning big or the games he's favored. It's a great point. So an example, crap team Arizona. So I don't know if you saw it, ran a really nice fake punt against Tampa Bay. So that's like their best fake punt call. That was one to hold back for the most important game of the year. Well, national audience against Tampa Bay. Okay, they used it with success. Yes. So you're saying, McKenzie, is this the net profit? Yes, and that doesn't include ticket sales, which goes straight to the NFL. Okay. It's interesting that you put it ranges from two million to five hundred thousand. Don't people usually put ranges with a small yeah, number? Yeah, but I said millions earlier, so I was right in the first instance and wrong in the second oh, one. Oh, so you're saying to to try to be perceived to be correct, even though more correct than you are, you will mislead. Apparently. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I think if you're a loser organization, a division title is a lot sweeter. It's, you know, like I don't, I don't think it's even. Was it sweet for the Bengals? Yes. Just making the playoffs was good for the Bengals many years. Yeah, but but I accept that if they feel competitive. If a yeah. team doesn't feel competitive, like Washington under with Heineke against the Tampa Bay a couple, I don't know. I but, still think when Washington made the playoffs a couple years ago that that was a big. Was that last year that they? No, it was a year before. Yeah, I mean they. And, oh, remember that they played so well against yeah, Tampa. Heineke. They gave game. they gave they Tampa their nine. toughest game. Playing you know? nine on the road. Yes. Okay, so. You're talking about the really good teams that maybe aren't playing. Now, I think when this is really the case, and we saw Cincinnati last year do this, it's when you're playing in the first round and you don't need anything in the final week, that effectively can be your buy. Yes. But it can't be for the linemen. There's not even enough linemen to play back, but for for some of the players. Right. Okay. Um, But the actual play calling as well that, you know, the, like, like you said, your best plays, you're not going to use them the week before the playoffs when it do, the game doesn't matter. Or you might use them in a way that's deceiving. Ooh. All right, yes. now. Run your we, bad we plays. We haven't talked about this, and we won't, but it's worth mentioning, and then we'll talk about it in the pick pod this week and more even next week. What about when you've got a must win versus a nothing to play for I'm a big fan If in that case. If I have to play it blind, which I don't, I'm going to go with the underdog. I'm going to go with the team with nothing to win because, in truth, it seems like that the pressure and the stress that comes with that must-win game is bigger than the, the motivational advantage. It's a net negative, I think. 
I agree directionally. Especially when you have the adjustment the market's going to make on top of it. Exactly right. So remember, 95% of the money is going to be bet the last 24 hours, or Mm -hmm. 90%. I don't know the exact. I think that's fair. So I'm A-OK with betting the team that needs the game like blood and has all the motivation on Monday night. As right. long before the line moves, before the, the 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 narrative gets out there, and it's like, oh, you know, like a good example, Green Bay plays Minnesota, so obviously Green Bay needs the game like blood, and Minnesota doesn't. So if you're going to bet Green Bay, you can still catch a minus three right now. For for instance, I would expect that that line's going to inflate, and once it goes beyond three, I'd have no interest in the Packers. So if you want to get at those must-win situations, uh, I would get at it early rather than late. So right now. Uh, pregame.com you can go to the game center and see the different books and right now you're seeing 320 at the Westgate 325 a bet online um 321 320 so I don't see anywhere where it's not at least 320 now yeah and so I but I think it's I think those will disappear mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay another game too like I now Indianapolis is out of it but the Giants you can lay three and a half reduced they're hosting Indianapolis it's a f- number of FanDuel right now I checked it it's current Everyone's going to bet the Giants. Indianapolis looked terrible. The Giants need this game. And another example of a a must-win. I want no part of the Giants later in the week when the line goes to four and a half or five, which I think it will. It's fine to lay it now, though, I think. What do you think of, and if you like this, we could maybe do this on the uh, Thursday morning release pod, the pick pod. What do you think about looking at two teamers, week 17 and week 18, and the second leg is contingent upon what happens in the first. And thus, hey, if this happens, the team won't need it. And thus bet on them in week 17 against them in week 18. I love it. Now, the only question is, this has always been a dicey week in terms of all year long, the books have put out midweek. They put out next week's lines. Mm-hmm. They're reluctant to do that this week. So sometimes I've seen them do it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I've seen them say, yeah. no, well, not going to do it. it's too obvious... You know, then I hear you, you know, but maybe it's a three team or maybe I I guess what I'm saying. I think there's some creativity. You can get at this. I definitely agree with that. Yes. All right. Well, listen, good little primer as in contact. Jody Foster said Matthew McConaughey was a preacher who was a Lothario in that. You remember the contact, right? I don't know what a Lothario means. Uh, a womanizer, uh, someone who wins women with uh, with his tenderness and sweet talk. But but the context was only with Jodie Foster, right? He had no other. Yeah, woman. but you could sense he 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 ran through her fast and was in just done moved on. Didn't seem like he was lacking. She was the one that left him the the next morning. But he knew she was going to. So really, yeah, he left right. her by even a la- yeah. It's complicated. One of the greatest lines he gives her the bracelet and says or, or the necklace and says it says hold on to this. It might save your life someday, and it does. <laughs> it's a, I got to tell you that is an underrated, underrated movie. movie. It's a great movie, man. I mean, it's it's kind of a little smart. It's not you know like Brainiac stuff, but it's a smart movie. But it's also well told. You yes, know, it's a good story. And um, Carl Sagan wrote the book. Did he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that James Woods was yeah, the, on, the, on the Congress? Like, well, no, he was her? he was running for the Congress eventually, ah. but he was like in the the you know the amorphic uh, police, uh, you know, like the National Security Agency or whatever. He's underrated, man. He doesn't. He makes good appearances in movies. Oh, for sure. I mean, he's yeah, James Wood. Now here's one, and then we'll move on. James Wood. It's Woods, right? James Woods. I think so. um, it's called the Boost. Really? Haven't done I, the boost. I think it's called the boost. Check that, Mackenzie. Is he's like 35 in this. 
He's got, I think Melanie Griffin is his, his wife or his, you know, girlfriend. And he learns how to sell, yep, the boost. So what year was this? 88. 88. So he becomes a, he's like a little bit of a street hustler type, but someone takes him under his wing and he becomes a master, like, like high level salesman of like real estate or whatever. And then at a party one Friday night, or it could have been Saturday, he did a line of cocaine. Mm-hmm. And it changed everything. I could see that. The Boost. Very good movie. You ever see The Boost, Mackenzie? Was that a prequel to Limitless? Limitless. No, 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 no. When you when I say change everything, I mean he became a junkie that was like Oh, not not the offering good boost. BJs. Not up, up and up and over. No. Yeah, offering BJs the guys. Yeah. Mm. Not that he somehow became the smartest man on earth. Different that, boost. That was not to change. Because I got to be honest, if doing cocaine made people the smartest me, me, people on earth, I know a few people should be a lot smarter than they are. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Steve's just nodding. Like, I got to do it too. All right. We're going to go into the games. And then at the end, I'm coming back and we're going to have a little Monday night, what happened there and what's happening to the future games of the Chargers and the Jeff Saturdays. Let's listen to Steve Fezzik, though, the master of the tote board. Oh, it's going to be better next week. Thursday night football. Dallas Cowboys visit the Tennessee Titans. Now, in the look-ahead period, we found out Tannehill not going to be there. Cowboys were six-point favorites with that news in tow. Then the games happened. World Open, Cowboys nine-and-a-half-point favorite. Nothing but Cowboys money since. Right now, Monday evening, we're looking at Cowboys by 10 at the Titans. So I make my power ratings nine-and-a-half without Tannehill at quarterback. Uh, but what's really important in this game is it's week 17. Incentives are really important. And there's certain games you just cannot go by power ratings or anything else other by how much a team's going to bring it. Tennessee, Jacksonville, the winner next week, head-to-head matchup, wins the division. That's the game for all the marbles. So because of that, Tennessee knows it. Jacksonville knows it. And I want no part of Tennessee. Having said that, Dallas, phony, phony win and cover against the Eagles. Maybe the win wasn't completely phony, kind of fraudulent. The cover certainly was. Um, so I don't want part of any team. I'm not even sure which way this line is going to go. This is a, uh, I think it's a pretty high variance game also. I am passing. Next game, this one is for all the marbles perhaps in the AFC South. The Carolina Panthers visit the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Lots of line movement in this. World Open. All right, look ahead first. Let's get to that. Bucks were six and a half point favorites. Then the games happened. World Open. Bucks were four point favorites. I'll tell you that didn't last very long. It is now a week three. Bucks are favored by three, even money, with the AFC South, NFC South championship on the line, taking on the Panthers. What do you make of this one in the line move? So I'm a little bit torn. I'm the guy that bet Carolina. Well, me and other people on that look ahead. I took seven and a half, and I took seven. I thought it was just a stupid line. But clearly, I didn't think it was that stupid because I didn't take Carolina plus six and a half. So what's happened since? Carolina, very impressive victory. Uh, Tampa Bay, sloppy, not impressive win against Arizona. But now we get a line movement from six and a half all the way to three. But I look at my adjusted power ratings. You know what? I've got Tampa Bay only a point and a half better. This is a Tampa team that is 3-11 against the spread, and the market seemingly continues to expect Tom Brady, like Lazarus, rising from the dead. I think that's 
correct? Maybe Phoenix Rising from the Dead. Maybe both of them. Right. Um, they've done nothing to encourage us. They've had phony wins along the way with miracle last-minute drives. The Rams game, for example. Carolina's a team that's playing with momentum. I think it was just it was Pajamas Tucker that beat this Tampa Bay team twenty-one to three. I think that's his name, right? PJ. Yeah, pajamas. Yeah, that's what everyone calls them. Yeah, so twenty-one-three. And it's Walker though. Pajamas Walker. They t- the, the, the the pajamas walk Texas Walker Ranger whatever he <laughs> <Okay>. is. <laughs> um, I can I can tell you this. It sure. If the line had been five, I would have said, oh, that looks about right, even though my power ratings make it three. But you know what? Maybe I should just trust my power ratings. If I make it three, um, maybe I, I stay off this game. It sure seems like every Tampa game, no one can score when they get in the red zone. Maybe I will lean under 39.5 with a game with playoff implications. Next game, the Commanders take on. They host the Browns. And this one is where Vegas got to speak. I'll tell you what I mean in a minute. Look ahead on this was Commanders minus two, then World Open, International Grand World Open. Bookmaker had their say. It was between two and one and a half. Monday morning early, Commanders minus two. But when the Vegas books opened here in you know Pacific Coast, all the money has been on the Commanders. We are now looking at Washington minus two and a half hosting the Browns. I make the game minus two, but I can understand the sentiment. You know, Watson... My goodness, um, it's easy to say after the fact, but you know I'm happy the Browns are having a horrible season. You sign a guy, I'm not going to get into all of the details of it, but you sign a guy to an enormous contract with a very dubious, questionable um, uh, situation surrounding him. Um, I root for teams like that to lose. So the and for, since I'm from Cincinnati, I hate Cleveland anyways, and lose they have. So Cleveland is now out of it. I can't see Cleveland's incentive. I got to wonder, though, it looks like, Mackenzie, am I correct, that it's likely Wentz is going to start for Heineke here? Yes. Reading the tea leaves after that 49ers game, I think Wentz is the starter. And you've got to wonder how the team is going to respond to Wentz as the starter, who has never been popular. So two bet against teams. I think Cleveland, with the um, um, the dream crusher completely in play is m- more of the team I want to bet against. So I can understand the, the money on Washington. It would not surprise me if the money on Washington does indeed continue. Two bet against teams, maybe two bet against franchises. Washington Ooh, and Cleveland, never yes. been my favorite. But these two I like. These two I can get down and watch a football game of. The Pittsburgh Steelers, fresh off their win off the Raiders, visit the Baltimore Ravens. Look ahead was off. We still had a lot of Lamar Jackson question marks. World Open Sunday night. Ravens by four. It's been all Steelers money. Monday night, it is down to three. Ravens minus three at Pittsburgh. What does this tell us about potential Lamar Jackson return? I think it's saying it's likely Huntley is going to be quarterback. Um, I tell you what, I make it five with Jackson, and then I would bring it all the way down to like two with Huntley. I think they kind of split the difference here in terms of whether Jackson will be available without that information. I'm going to pass this game. I'll say this. If it's Huntley, I'll wait it out since the total is already below 37. But um, if Huntley gets reported as the starter, I will happily go under 35 where I could see I could see this game being 16 to 13 very, very easily. Um, frankly, I'm not so, so sure it's going to go over even if Lamar Jackson plays. But it seems like every time these two teams play, it's 17 to 14. I could only look under. And I, I can tell you this. No way would I be laying it with Baltimore right now. Another game, another question at QB for the favorite. 
Philadelphia Eagles will host the Saints. This was off in the look-ahead period with those question marks. World Open was seven. It's kind of ping-ponged back and forth between six and a half and a seven all Monday. But right now I'm looking at it, all six and a halves, maybe even a six out there. Eagles hosting the Saints. What do you make of this one? You know, I'm going to lay the six. Uh, I know it was sitting seven out there, and it's down to six. And probably that's news that um, the the stash uh, Minshew is going to go. But even with Minshew, I have Philly five and a half points better. I get it. New Orleans, nice win against Cleveland. I think that was much more about Cleveland being an incompetent franchise than New Orleans. A good game plan for New Orleans uh, going ahead and going with the dual quarterback plays and the like in the bad weather. So, um, uh, you know, kudos to them. But uh, the bottom line is that um, Philly actually um, benefits by beating New Orleans because they have New Orleans' first-round draft pick, I believe. Nice. So, th- so there is some incentive. Not that Philly cares. I mean, they're they're looking to win the Super Bowl. I mean, that's that's the priority. But um, even with Minshew, I can't see this dropping. You know, further. But then again, I think it's going to be Minshew. And the second that news gets reported, maybe it drops even further. We get a five and a half. You know, we did well with Philly news last week. Remember, great call we, by you. To summarize, I said, you know what, we're going to get we're going to get the news. Hertz is out, and then the the, the square balls, the B teamers, are going to be unaware that we knew Hertz was out already, and that line's going to inflate. It did to six to six and a half. If you bet Philly, you could have gotten easily a push, maybe even a win if you were on top of it. And then, of course, it went right back to five, four and a half, where it belonged because we knew Hertz wasn't playing anyways. I don't think Hertz is going to play in this game, and so the same thing is in play. The second that Hertz gets reported out and it drops to five and a half, then we lay it with Philly and they win the game by six. Yay. One of the cool things working with you is is hearing about these line moves the day before, and it's like a script. I'm, I hear the Hurts news. I look at the line, moves up to six. I'm like, are these dummies that predictable? And yet it closed four, four and a half, because, uh, yeah, we already knew that. That was built into the number on Wednesday. Why well, represent those dummies in other sports? Because I'm the first guy <laughs> to say, like, like, oh, Anthony Davis is out. Boom, i got to bet against the Lakers. And I'm sure there's other people out there that are just doing the NBA. They're like... Uh, we knew AD wasn't playing. He's actually in Seattle getting medical tests right now, Fezzik. <laughs> Specialization, so. expertise, pregame.com. It's what we're all about. Fezzik is the best NFL handicapper in the world, at least publicly. Maybe there's some secret ones I don't know about. Next game, the Falcons hosting the Cardinals. This one look-ahead period was three, moved up to three and a half, and kind of ping-ponged between three and three and a half all Monday. That's where we're sitting at right now. Even a four out there, Falcons minus three and a half hosting the Cardinals. So where is the support going to come from for Arizona? I make this three and a half, um, but Arizona's completely dead team. I guess you could argue Atlanta's, you know, pretty dead themselves. Um, has Atlanta been eliminated from playoff consideration yet? Good question. Do we, know? Let me get that. So we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to go ahead and look that up. I know everybody is in a scrum in the NFC South, except for Atlanta that's been stuck on five. I know because I bet under five and a half wins in this game is going to decide it because I think Atlanta will lose. They are eliminated. Okay. They've been like squid games. Been eliminated. <laughs> um, I still think Atlanta is the much more motivated team. Arizona is completely dysfunctional. That was about Tampa Bay playing lousy, not Arizona playing well necessarily, although I did like the fact Arizona ran a fake punt and certainly showed life against Tampa Bay, but maybe that was the last hurrah on national TV. I could only look to Atlanta. I'll I'll forecast that this line inflates. Another eliminated team here, the Houston Texans, will host the Jacksonville Jaguars. Although they've been showing some fight, look ahead in this was Jags minus five on the road, moved up to five and a half at the World Open. Some Texas money, some Houston money, I should say, coming in 
Jaguars minus four and a half right now at Houston. What's not to like against Houston? They almost win as an 18-point dog, and as a 14-point dog, they do win as a three to three and a half point dog against Tennessee and still playing hard in Jacksonville. All the marbles for the division title and next week at next home. Week, right. At home, home game against Tennessee. Um, this looks like a game that um, you would not be surprised at all if Jacksonville lost. I think the money will come on Houston. That will be my number one forecasted line move. If And, and bottom line, who cares if it goes to five? Um, if you like Houston, bet the plus four and a half. It's not going to land five, but it certainly could land four, and the, land, the game could easily close three and a half. This is a situation where Week 17 means nothing almost to Jacksonville and Tennessee. Week 18 will mean everything. The winner of that game clinches the division. Next game up here, two division rivals, the Detroit Lions with everything to play for. Host the Chicago Bears with nothing much to play for, although their coach says Fields is going to play. Look ahead in this was uh, Lions minus 6.5. World Open was minus 6. Now down to Lions minus 5.5. What do you make of this one, Fez? I'll lean Detroit. I'm not surprised Detroit got rolled back-to-back. Dome team, soft dome team, playing in the elements for the second week. And uh, they didn't have uh, Wilson quarterbacking to save their ass like they did the week before when they were at the Jets. Uh, They got rolled. They gave up Carolina franchise record, almost Mm. 600 yards offense, over 300 yards rushing. So that was just a butt-kicking. But... um, the Bears, that is a struggling team that has no defense. Detroit back in the friendly confines of a dome. I'll predict it goes up to six. And uh, this is a case where the must-win situation you would expect money would come in on Detroit. I'm not anti. If you want to play lay five and a half with Detroit, I make it five and a half. But you got to feel Detroit is more motivated. I think a lot of our listeners will be interested in your answer to this one. The Dolphins visit the Patriots. We've seen a favorite flip in this one, good for good reason. Look ahead was Dolphins minus two. It opened minus one and a half. Some money coming in was minus one when I did the line report Monday at 11 a.m. But then, boom, Tua back in the concussion protocol for the second time this season. Patriots now two and a half everywhere, even a week three out there. Patriots favored hosting the Dolphins. And I think this is third time for Tua discussion. Uh, concussions, right? Because he had the back-to-back games where we don't know whether it was concussed right. or not, and then he, and and then the the ugly scene where he was out for three weeks. I'm going to forecast a, a double line move here. So what's going to happen is Tua is going to it's going to appear Tua is out on Sunday, and Teddy Bridgewater will start for Miami. Well, this line already reflects Teddy starting, but again, the B team is going to see that. <gasps> we got to bet New England. And then the line will go up to three, and then the pros will absolutely back the better team in Miami with, uh, well, they're not the better team with um, with Teddy at quarterback, but it's only like a two-point downgrade from Tua to Teddy Bridgewater. Actually, you know what? Maybe maybe Did it's you see three. the fourth quarter on Christmas? Maybe it's a three-point downgrade. Um, but the, the, the bottom line, yeah, it's probably a three-point downgrade, but the bottom line is uh, it's a bridge too far to bring New England all the way to three. I will take Miami, a team in desperate need of a win, um, catching plus three when that happens. And it will happen as soon as two is officially marked out. And he's not going to play. There's just no way uh, with a quarterback, especially with that you know notable game with um, the ugly scene where right. he, he was losing consciousness. He's not going to play. One step ahead of the market. Fez says if you like the Patri- or if you like the Dolphins, rather wait, you will see that precious plus three out there later on in the week. Next game, the Denver Broncos, fresh off firing their coach and having to stay with their quarterback, unfortunately. 
Look ahead in this one was Chiefs minus 10 hosting the Broncos. We're now at 13 and a half after Sunday's games and the firing and all the news. What do you make of this one? Chiefs hosting the Broncos. So the much-despised Hackett is out. Uh, that was all about effort. That game against the Rams, Denver basically said, we don't want him to coach us anymore. We're out of here. And just a horrible performance. The problem is that, you know what? I don't know if anyone's trying for Wilson, though. Um, pretty much any quarterback named Wilson, you don't want to be playing for. So <laughs> Bad year for the Wilson brothers. It, it, yeah, so I could see the line going to 14. I really, you know what, Kansas City, they're not impressive at all. They're, they're, it's, it's not that they're not impressive. They're an impressive team, but uh, they're going through the motions. They're not covering games. They sleptwalked in Seattle in that game. They got the cover. I I have nothing on this game. I do think if you wait it out, you're probably going to get get to see a 14 on Denver, though. No reason not to wait it out, and because the difference between plus 13 and a half and plus 13 is irrele- really irrelevant. Yes. So we just we're recording right after Monday Night Football. We're not going to do this game in detail, but I'll ask you real quick: Giants minus three and a half before Monday Night. Nick Foles inserted three picks. What do you make this? What do you think this line will be when it reopens? Giants hosting the Colts. Giants need the game like blood. Foles can't play a lick. Colts are a dead team. On any given Saturday or Sunday, a team should be able to win, but not with Jeff Saturday at, as a coach. My Giants are going to close minus five. Oof. Get at the Giants when it reopens at minus four. Next game, the Seahawks host the Jets. Look ahead was pick them in this one. World Open was. Jets minus one and a half, and it's been all Jets money. Jets now minus two and a half on the road at Seattle. What do you make of this one? Yeah, it's all about quarterbacks. So the market's basically telling you that we're going to see Mike White back, and hopefully we'll never see Zach Wilson ever again. Or Stevler, who I believe was a wasn't he the character in something about Mary? I, I believe he was. <laughs> yeah, that was the guy. Was the guy. Um, and so Stifler, Stevler can't play a lick either. Um, but I, but again, this is a bridge too far. We're already at, at at two to two and a half in some spots, and so no reason to bet ever bet at two and a half. So if I don't get better, I'll tease it. But here's what I expect's going to happen. Oh, uh, Mike White has been reported as the starter for the New York Jets, and then the dummies, the B team players, don't realize that the market already reflects that, and this line will go to three. And in no rational world can the New York Jets be justified be laying three at Seattle, a team with playoff aspirations right now that's had a bad patch, no doubt about it. But Seattle plus three is an automatic take, and I think we'll get three. Let's wait it out, and five minutes after White gets reported in as starting quarterback, line will go to three, and then immediately get blasted by the pros, and I think we'll go back to two and a half. I'll be honest. Every time I look at this line, i got to do a double take. Like, who's favorite in Seattle? I guess uh, the market believes in the New York Jets a little bit more than I do. Next game, the San Francisco 49ers, I will be at this game, is visiting the Las Vegas Raiders. World Open, or look ahead, I'm sorry, was 49ers minus four and a half. They impressed. World Open was minus six. It's been all Raiders money. We're now looking at five and a half or five Monday afternoon. What do you make of Raiders uh, hosting the 49ers? Yeah, so I make this game seven. So it's very interesting. And ah, I sneeze at that, making the line seven. <laughs> the I'm not so sure, Mackenzie, if you you might be the only Raider fan that's in attendance. No, I think it's going to be 50-50. There'll be a lot of Niner fans that are certainly going to be in town. Um, good reason to come to Vegas for the New Year's weekend. Um, be sure to be ready to spend $1,000 for a hotel room at a minimum here on the Strip. Um, the... Hmm. 
San Francisco has very questionable incentive, though, is the problem. Because in the AFC, you've got the Bengals. You've got Buffalo and you've got Kansas City all fighting for the number one seed, all playing their hearts out. Well, to win, at least. What does San Francisco care? What does Minnesota care? Philly's going to be the one seed, and they're going to be the two and the three seed, and there's really no difference between the two. So because of that, I can I can see San Francisco looking to get people healthy. Um, you know more about the Niners than I do, Mackenzie. What do you think about the last two weeks for the Niners who are coasting into the 2-3 spot? I think they're saying the right things, want to keep momentum. You only get better by, at football by playing football, but there's a reason Christian McCaffrey's running less and rookies are running more. They're, they're uh, angling towards the playoffs. And I ran the playoff machine calculator. If the Vikings go 1-1, one and one, the 49ers go 1-1, one and one, they get the two-seed. So it doesn't really matter. If the Vikings lose one of their games, all the 49ers have to do is win one of the games at Arizona or at the Raiders. So I don't really think they care about the game. I think they do care about playing good football, though. So this pronoun, they, refers to the 49ers. Yes, like, I usually say we. I'm trying to, I don't know. I'll be there. I'm not going to be wearing black and gold. I'll tell you that much right now. Yes. Uh, don't get beat up in the park. <laughs> be, be, be careful. Although I think that the black hole is not. It's a very wimpy, wussy black hole in Vegas. You know, it's like, let me, let me put it this way. The dudes that I saw back in the black hole in Oakland were a lot scarier than seeing Daniel Negreanu <laughs> and famous poker player and the like, you know, attending. Canadian. attending. Whatever that means. <laughs> yes. Canadians are very friendly. So, um, Hey, the, the Sharps came in and took plus six. Sharps won't. I hear this all the time. Oh, you know, there's sharp money on plus five and a half. No, there's no sharp money plus five and a half because if you were sharp, you would have gotten plus six. Right. And I'll use an example last week when they're like, sharp money on the Eagles plus five. No, the sharp money was on the Eagles plus six. The money was on plus five. There's a difference, you know, there's between the sharpest money and just the money. Um, but uh, I, have, I don't even have a lean in this game. I pass it. The 49ers and fans like myself will be much more interested in this game if they want to get the two seed. The Minnesota Vikings are underdogs visiting the Green Bay Packers. Look ahead was Packers minus two and a half, moved up to minus three in the look ahead period. World Open was minus three and a half, and now it sits in between the two. Packers are minus three, minus 120, minus 3.25 as we call it. Hosting the Minnesota Vikings. What do you make of this one? I, I don't understand how anyone could bet the Vikings. We all know the Vikings are overrated. We all know the Vikings have no incentive. They're not going to get the number one seed. And you've got a situation here where Green Bay needs the game like blood. you got the soft dome team heading to the elements. Remember the Carolina game when Detroit went to Carolina? Well, that's going to happen here with Minnesota Green Bay. I guess you could say... You know, from a pure power rating perspective, I only have the teams one and a half apart, and it is a divisional game, so we won't give Green Bay their normal home field advantage. So maybe we only get to three. But incentive-wise, Green Bay needs the game so much more than Minnesota. The NFL needs this game so much more. You don't think they want the Packers in the playoffs versus some of these other teams? Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, playoffs. It just—it sounds right. Exactly right. So the game's fixed. Um, there's going to be lots of calls in favors of the Packers. And um, the Vikings, yeah, maybe they'll win their 28th straight close decision. Uh, the Vikings are no good at all. I got the Vikings one half points worse than an average team now. Um, another phony win against <laughs> the Giants. And all these Minnesota Vikings fans are like, oh, you know, you just hate us. You know, we're a great team and we're clutch, baby. We're clutch. We're going to win all these. There, I, I'm not saying there's nothing to that. However, 
when the season win comes out next year, the Vikings season win number is going to sit right there at nine wins, and the pros will play under nine, despite Justin Jefferson being the second coming of Christ. It's like what RJ says. Yeah, maybe they're clutch. They're the clutchest team ever. What is that worth? A point? A point and a half? It doesn't get you from minus one and a half to the Philadelphia Eagles. There's just a huge gap there. And we saw that when those two teams played week two, Monday Night Football. Yes. Next game, uh, this just ended Monday Night Football with the Chargers. So I'll just ask you, look ahead was nine on Monday. They reposted it at seven and a half, moved down to six and a half. What do you think this line will close at or at least reopen at? Chargers hosting the L.A. Rams. Yeah, we'll just uh, ease that back up to like a minus seven, lay a dollar fifteen. It's going to be hard to go past that point just because the Rams, you know, looked so impressive against Denver. I still think a lot of that could have been the Denver, you know, just mailing it in. Um, Having said that, uh, there's going to be plenty of Rams fans. No, there's not. There's going to be plenty of like Viking fans and Chief fans and Bengal (laughs) fans and and, and comped ticket fans with corporate America. No one really is a Charger fan. And the Rams fans checked are already looking forward to next year. So um, I don't see any home field advantage. I didn't give give the teams any. I had made this game five and a half before Monday night, so I'll pop it up to six and a half and a little tax for the Chargers needing the game like blood. Sure, we'll make the line 7.25. That, In fact, this line should be 7.2. Bet accordingly. And to summarize, Fez, what are your projected line moves? The games you think are most likely to move if you had to pick two or three? All right. Houston plus four and a half to drop down. I think you lock in the four and a half. Green Bay minus three. I think you lay the three right now. I think it will go up to a full three and a half. And finally, Miami, New England, a double line move projection. New England will go up to minus three, and then will come back down to minus two and a half. So you have two disparate motivation spots and one injury news, which the wise guys are already pricing in. Correct. And that was Steve Fezzik. Some would say technically technical. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's getting better. But... Maybe it was your music. Maybe it was like your physics teacher said, technically, you were too technical. I don't know. I'm past my prime in physics. I know, but we're talking back in the day when you were coming up, a young bushy-eyed and bushy-tailed. Bright-eyed, I think, and bushy-tailed is what they now call Now Johnny's it. explaining what calculus is to me. Well, don't, don't, let, forgotten. don't let Johnny try, like, Mackenzie recommending, like, illegal drugs. No. It's thinking, air- some, thinking somehow it's going to make him smart. Kids, it won't. Mm. Just see the movie if you need to, if you need a firm to that. Well, now we know what happened to Mackenzie's twenties. I saw Limitless. Mackenzie's in his thirties. <laughs> yes, he, he he had ten years of just a big black hole. There was a, there was embers <laughs> that were left. He said some vague thing about like usually you've hired people, right? Yes. Usually, if you see even like a usually it's like if you see six months a hole of six months, you ask about it. Parent was ill, had yeah. to care for him. Yeah. Yes. What happens when it's like nine and a half years? Long, wait, long illness. Long illness. I mean, but but then when and he's and the person's only like just turned thirty. Volunteer work in El Salvador. <laughs> yes. Earthquake. How would you answer that, Mackenzie? I think Fezzik's answer is pretty good. Ecuador, uh, South Ethiopia for a time. You know what it could be like? It could be like the beginning of Apocalypse Now when they call in Martin Sheen about the mission. Right. And they go, is it true that you blah, 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 with you know the convoy in the Uganda, blah, 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 murder, blah, blah, blah? He goes, I know of no such mission. And if I did, I could not speak of such 
<laughs> it's a great scene. Oh my God, what a scene. Right after the first scene, you've seen Apocalypse Now, right? Just, I, I, no. saw it, I, I saw it, but it was so long ago and I never re-saw it. So I uh, remember, you know, the Napalm in the Morning and yeah, things. Yeah. yeah. So the first scene, he, he's in his bed, he's drunk, who knows what, he's been up for days. And a couple of MPs come in, you know, he's still in the service, and they go, uh, I think Colonel, it was Colonel Willard, and it's like, not Colonel, it was Major, Lieutenant, Lieutenant Willard, I think. And um, they go, uh, you want, they want to see you at the, the base, sir. And he looks at him and goes, what's the charges? <laughs> they go, no charges, sir. I just want to see you. And then to bring it all back together. Bring your playbook. At the very, at the very end. Like if, the, if people of authority come in and ask to see you, you'd be, what's the charges? <laughs> I mean, that's a certain kind of person. And then finally, at the very end, it doesn't give anything away. If you haven't seen it, it's one of the greatest movies. So he was a captain. Okay. Um, so what is it? It's captain up to what major? What's the? I know Colonel was next to um, General RJ. Anyone who's played Stratego knows right. the General is the two. Okay. The Colonel is the three. Okay, that's what I'm then saying. Then you got the captain. Uh, the captain's right before that. And then you got a lieutenant. Okay. You got a sergeant. Uh huh. And you got a scout or a private. No, no, no. Lieutenant is before sergeant. Yeah, lieutenant's above a sergeant. No, I think it's before. And Stratego, the lieutenant's the six and the sergeant's the Well, listen, the seven. I can only go by Gomer Pyle. <laughs> I can only go by Stratego. That's McKenzie, all I know. what's the truth? I'll get that one second. AJ's going to know he's in the army. Yeah, right. Well, when you don't get past private, you don't, I mean, I guess he knew yeah, everyone was ahead of him. <laughs> no, he, no, no, no. He did good. He was trained. He trained him. He was like an official trainer and stuff. Because uh, he was in, he tried to get in the airborne and then like he broke his foot like right away. But then he was like in a way limited, but he learned all the technical stuff. He was technically technical. It, it, in um, All Quiet on the Western Front, wasn't the uh, Ernest Borgnine like a sergeant, like an old fella that was training the well, privates? Well, sergeant was as high as you can get if you're not like going the ROTC route or the, yeah, you know, okay. that kind of thing. All right, so here it is. Yes, I was. Um, all right, we need to go. Yeah, hit more items there. Okay. Oh, I think you're right. Uh-huh. All right. So it's second lieutenant, first lieutenant, captain, major. So there's no sergeant? I don't trust this. But I, here's what I'll tell you. Oh, there's a lieutenant colonel. Yeah, but colonels are much bigger than you think. Because, you know, you think the general... Oh, this is Hogan's Heroes also. Oh, Colonel got, Clink. Yeah, and you got General Burkhalter. Yes. And Major the Little Guy. Oh, yeah. Major... He, he, had, he had some Napoleon yeah. complex yes. going on. In German, that's bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's good that we got a, a really solid... You know, foundation between Gomer Powell and Hogan's Heroes. Mm-hmm. The only thing is, I think we have too much of a bias towards the Army because, like, the Admiral is not in the Army. He's just in the Navy. Yeah. I know because I watch the Army-Navy game and they always interview an Admiral when Navy scores. Did you ever think of adding up, like, giving one point for private, two points for lieutenant, and then adding up the starters and then having, like, a, an algorithm like that, like what their rank is? No. Because Stratego is flawed because if you just have, like, one general and the other guy has, like, 100 guys, the general wins. Damn. He just chases all the men and it's over. I wonder how many times in a row it would take someone to, like, some trade that looked really good. Like, I'll give you three captains for your general. Mm. Three? Okay. <laughs> all right. So it's important we went through all that. 
But now Where we're we? wrapping up. Let's talk about the Monday night, not the recap as much, but the next lines for these teams. Yeah, so this is fascinating with Buffalo-Cincinnati because the look-ahead line— right, So Monday night, who played? Buffalo's at Cincinnati. Oh, So we're talking about next week's game— why didn't we? So oh. we just held held this back. It wasn't so much it was the Monday night teams. You just held back this matchup. Yes. Okay. Go. Yeah. So the look ahead line surprised me because Cincinnati's catching two and a half points. All right. So plus Buffalo. two and a half at home. Yes. Now let's use Kansas City as a reference point. They played in Cincinnati, and what was the line? I recall that one was like uh, two and a half. Two, right? two and a half. Exactly. Spot on. Okay. So it's saying the Buffalo's considered. No, Cincinnati's been upgraded since then. No doubt. So Cincinnati, this is amazing. I've written down, you know, they started out lousy this year. They're 20 and three against the spread the last 23 games. Yeah. They've covered 12 out of 13, the one bad game on Thanksgiving night. So exclude Thanksgiving. So, uh, not Thanksgiving, Halloween. Halloween night. Yeah, which was the Browns. Yeah, so the, the, exclude that game, which you can't. 12-0 and 0 against the spread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a team playing as well as any team in the NFL, and yet they're still a home dog. So Buffalo getting a whole lot of respect still. Now, this line is one and a half currently, so it did drop a point versus the opener. I forecasted, I thought the Bengals were going to come a favorite in this game by close uh, last week after the Bengals won. Um Against New England, yeah. but um, it's not happening yet. So the right tackle is out for the year? Is that what right, we're hearing? Right, right. So Collins is out, and he's one of those new acquisitions that was just starting mm-hmm. to gel. And so probably this is a case of— yeah, I don't think. I, I don't mm-hmm. think unknown right tackles. Yeah. Are, I mean, it might move things a half a tick, but I mean— Half a tick, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So to me, what we got to quantify here is how much has Cincy been upgraded since the Chargers game? Mm. So, Mackenzie, you want to pop up that schedule? And because we can just out, you know, you can see what you got, Faz, and I'll eyeball it. But it's going to be interesting to think, okay, um, Buffalo versus Kansas City is the question. Now, looking at this, um, they beat the Patriots by, you know, covered by four, but they had a big lead in that game for whatever it's worth. But, you know, what's fascinating, we'll talk about this in the recap show, very little of that game was outside of 96% chance. So even though Patriots came back from a big deficit, it was early enough that they were never like in this hopeless spot. So, 20-point 20, 20 lead. Uh-huh. And, yeah. and then New England, uh, at, at one point, since he had like 400 yards of offense, and the Patriots had like 140. And then they just got back in the game, and Bengals kind of sleptwalked through the second half. New England had some fortunate stuff, and you could make the case New England was right there to win at the end. No doubt. And here's the way we can quantify it for you. So what we do, and McKenzie does a good job with this, is if a team has a 99% chance or higher to win, we ignore the plays. If it's a 98% to 99, we consider 25% and ignore 75, meaning just fractionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's 98 to 90, well, let me, I'm sorry, 97 and 98, half, and we just go down 25% mm. until we get to 100%. So I guess go up 25%. Okay, so so Mackenzie, just to make sure we, I got this straight, so let me see, 95 to 96, 97, 98, 99. So actually, anything above 95 is less than 100%. Yes. Okay, so between any time a team has 95% or higher, there's going to be some fractional amount taken out mm-hmm. but if they're over 99 it's all taken out yes so it's a it's a it's a conservative removal of garbage time mm-hmm. but it's not super conservative it's just probably a little conservative um 
under those definitions, I'll give you an example. Detroit scored 11 points against Carolina in garbage time, and Carolina only scored one. So 10 points of the made-up, you know, Detroit coming back, we say it didn't count, mm. you know, effectively. But in the New England game, to counterbalance that or to give a counter to that, in the New England game, there was only two points for Cincinnati scored in garbage time. Expect, in expected. Sc- in New England scored one. Mm. So what I'm saying, well, if it's fractional, you kick a field goal, right? Yeah, yeah. And these were expected points too, you're yes. right. So in general, since he extended their lead, I would have covered Oh, I would have pushed it three if it wasn't if that if that garbage time didn't happen in theory. But it is pretty amazing to think of anything New England lost points during garbage time, but picked. So it's hard to say. Oh, since he was up, and then it wasn't you know garbage time. I mean, do you disagree? What was your instinct? It was the weirdest game I've ever seen. It was uh, ever the weirdest. It was the weirdest. Um, I well, believe- let's save that for the recap. Okay. All right. Yes. So. Uh, do you have a prediction of where this line is going to move? Yes, it's going to close. I would think it would close Pickham. I can't see how you could make a case that Buffalo should be. There's no way you could possibly make Buffalo a three point favorite in right, this game. So, so looking at this, we did have the Patriots. I'm going to call that one no move in the line. I'm going to call no upgrade for me. I'm going to do, um, and then we'll see what you did. Uh, Bengals uh, come back against Tampa. I think they get a half point there. Um, and then against the Browns, they dominate. I think maybe even a full point there. But, I, you know, I'll give them – I'm up to maybe 1.25 points. And then the Chiefs were right before that, right? So nice. I'm going to say 1.25 to one and a half point upgrade. What did you have? So I had the Bengals at, as low. Gosh, I only go back a couple weeks because I don't have okay, every, but and every week. Okay, we only need – well, go back as many as you can. And what have you done since? Right. So I, I – well, from memory, I can tell you I had the Bengals like two and a half – like three points better than an average team. Now I got them six. So I've got them three points upgraded from where they were. Mm-hmm. And, but that – okay. So let's call it two points of an upgrade. That seems like the most it can be. Okay. Um from, and we're talking about from the Kansas City game. So now we're relative. And, and now that I think about it, we'd have to include the Kansas City game in there. Yes. Which would probably get us to three. I, yes. I, I, that probably makes a lot of sense then. Okay. So under that theory. Oh, I like where you're going. Kansas City was two. and I, it, If we assume Buffalo and Kansas City are equal. equal I got them equal now. It seems like Cincy should be one right here. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm not even sure that. I mean, equal, Exactly. I love the way you did that. Yeah. Equal, I think, is to be honest, is being a little. If I had to say we're wrong one way or the other, I think we might be wrong to the benefit of Buffalo there. I think if I had to guess, if God came down and said someone is better between Kansas City and Buffalo, I would pick Kansas City by I, half a point. I agree. You know, I might say Kansas City's better in the playoffs. And during the regular season, maybe you could say they're equal. Or if the goal is to win games versus to extend leads that don't matter. Exactly. I like Buffalo to pound. Buffalo's more of a bully, but Kansas City's slightly better. Here's yes. A, here's, I'm going to give one more little tease to the – if you're not listening to the recap, you're not living. Well, I mean, the bookie could kill you for a debt, I guess. So, But no, you're not learning as much as you could, and you're not being entertained as much as you could. But – this is fascinating with Buffalo is they've had three of the very best games that anyone's played this season. So like McKenzie went back and we looked at the, we just were using yards per play, your favorite Faz. And I looked at their yards per play and they had, um, and my notes is, give me one more second. Where is the bills? Uh, here we go. I think we're right here. Okay. Yeah. So they had these, three net yards per play edges. They were 3.4 yards per play better than an opponent, 3.8, 
and 5.2. <laughs> Something that's okay. impossible. And McKenzie had it. Correct me if I'm wrong, McKenzie. That was the best in the league, the second best, the fourth best, and the 16th best. Correct. All right, so they have one, two, and four of the top four. Three is the only one missing there for, for a hotel. So when they're, when they're clicking on all cylinders, don't get in front of them. But here's what's interesting. Those three games, three of the four, were in the first five games. Mm. And only the most recent game is also one. So it's very fact. And Josh Allen, talk about his elbow not being 100%. Could be that. Could be whatever. Defense got some injuries. Well, well, the defense has had injuries. But if you look at the defense, um, they've gone over now. uh, Buffalo, like... Let me think about this. Mackenzie, maybe pull that up as we're wrapping up here. Um, I I thought I wrote it down. I think it's like eight out of nine they've gone over, but I want to make sure to get it right. But uh, wrap up and go from there. You got anything else? So you think in general it's moving. Uh, if you like Cincy playing now, you think they're going to be favored. Yes. And certainly pick. I think pick them sounds yeah. right. You know, and if you're going to tease Cincy, let's lock in that teaser. Let's let's get let's get that the Bengals up to that all important seven and a half mark or, or plus eight in the teaser before it drops because a one point tick. No big deal. Huge deal if you're trying to tease them. Now, you know, in theory, it's going through or not in theory, but the theory is appealing. It's going through three and seven. But. It's a higher scoring game. Yes. Why do I? Why did I not write the total? I wrote the total in every game, but this one has to be like fifty, right? Buffalo, yeah. Cincy. Um, okay. So, Mackenzie, first, tell us how Buffalo's done on the total recently. So, four of the last seven games have gone over the game, but the opponent's team total has gone over five out of the last eight. Are you sure you're in the right order here? Because it was under. Uh, it was okay. Here's all right. So, this is the way the season started. It was under, over, under, 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 under. Then there was more overs than unders after. Mm. So this has been something that's been a change. That D was really good. And, and that's what you're talking about with the projected points, right? Or are you talking about the offense? Yes, talking about their team total, their uh, defensive projection versus yeah, Actual. so that wouldn't be their team total. total it would be the opponent's team total, right? Yes, that's what I meant to say. So if you look at it, um, you can impute what the team total is, uh, even not even looking at the market. And by looking at the defense, or this would be the opponent's team total, um, it looks like one, two, three, four, five. Five of eight have gone over, it looks like, right? Yeah. Okay. But lately, they've been going under by a couple points. Yeah, so... I tell you this, I've seen a range of Bills offense more than most teams in a year. Mm-hmm. I've seen a range of their defense more than most teams in a I year. I agree with that. If they play on the top end of both those ranges, they're clearly the best team. Mm-hmm. They play even not the bottom, but let's say at the 50% mark of both, they don't win the Super Bowl, I don't think. I agree. All right. Every team is flawed this year. There's no clear dominant team. Every a- team every is Every person vulnerable. is too in the eyes of the Lord. <laughs> You can't be you can't be a demigod on earth, Faz. I know you you had a lawyer look into that. But he without <laughs> sin threw cast the exactly. first stone. And Faz says, "What about a Molotov cocktail?" And he throws. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it true though? And I'm not saying it is that you actually had attorneys petition the Vatican. I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> All right, guys, you got a little taste of the recap show. 
If you listen to this one first, if you listen to that one first, you now are through two shows with us, and I'm going to say kudos to you. You're going to one day be a lieutenant, perhaps, in the Army. Talk to you soon.